Hello and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare and I'll be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depths of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. On today's podcast, we will discuss what the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented in the Garden of Eden. This conversation will focus on how the two trees represent a choice for humanity and will also show how the two trees represent two distinct systems or ways of living. But first, Genesis 3, 6 through 7 will be the starting point of our discussion today. So I'll take a minute to read it and bring into focus all that went on for Adam and Eve and the choice they made and the ramifications of that choice. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, she took the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed together fig leaves and made coverings for themselves. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and here we go. Joining me today is Ben Brezina. Hey, Ross. And uh, Margalina Lapore. Hello. And Tom Price. Hey, Ross. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. Wonderful. Good. Awesome. All right, so uh, what Genesis 3, 6, and 7 made clear is that humanity chose to eat freely from the tree that they were forbidden to eat from. So why did God give Adam and Eve this choice in the first place? Tom? I like what I heard a Christian psychologist say once, uh, Dan Allender. He said, without a no, yes would have no meaning. And so I think reflecting the kind of love that God is, His love is always choosing. He's always choosing when He loves. And he wanted us to have a relationship with him, fellowship with him. In order for us to experience that, we had to have choice. Mm -hmm. And so without a no, as Dan Allender would say, anytime that they chose and said yes to God without the no, then it really wouldn't have had much meaning. Yeah. I like to illustrate that by talking about a massage chair. Mm -hmm. I have back trouble, so it means a lot to me to get a good massage for sure. But a massage chair can give you a great massage, but it's not really love. Even though it feels good, it's not love because you push a button, you know, and if sure, it's working, yeah. it'll kick on. But now if I ask my wife to mm-hmm. give me a massage, she's got a choice. She can say yes or no. So if she rubs my shoulders, that can be an act of love sure. where she chooses to act on my behalf. And so that, I love that illustration. So we as humans don't have an on-off switch, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, God's given us that will where yeah. we can decide. I can force you to do. I may be able to bring enough pain into your life where you choose, but at the end of the day, you're still making a choice based on the options that you have or I have. So, yeah, God's given each of us that ability. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know that I have much more to add other than that <laughs> love is the, I believe that's the reason why he gave them the choice in the first place is that without the no, there wouldn't be a yes. Yeah, yeah. so obviously love is the main reason, the focus of what God's doing behind that, of why he even put the tree there to give them a choice. So it gets back to our our conversation last week about our purpose. You know, what's our purpose is to manifest God's life. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing. By making a choice to follow God, to be obedient, that's loving God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how a lot of these conversations just continue to build upon each other. And you can tie in a lot of what we've talked about already and how it fits into even what we're talking about today in this choice. So obviously having this choice to eat from the tree or not, it created two different paths for Adam and Eve, right? 
they were opposed to each other, and they were distinguished by different characteristics. So we talk about this in the Living in Jesus workbook. Um, here's a few examples. So path one, you know, when they chose before the fall, they were living by truth. And then path two, after the fall, they believed lies. They were living under the lie, if, if we could say it that way. Another one would be path one is choosing to receive from God what they had in their lives, which we talked about last week. A lot about what our purpose is, is receiving from God, being able to live out that purpose by what we've received. Or the opposite would be path two is achieving by our own striving, achieving what we could try to achieve. Other ones would be God's wisdom versus our reasoning, trusting God versus doubting God. And then the last one would be choosing life or choosing death. So how can we see from Scripture how Adam and Eve experienced each of these two systems before the fall and then after the fall? So obviously there's two different ways of living. How did Adam and Eve experience those two? I mean, I think we can see some of the consequences immediately after they ate the tree, right? So you can see their experience as far as that goes by the consequences. One was they were fearful. You know, when God came around, they ran and hid. And not only that, they were fearful of each other because they made clothes to hide themselves. So, I mean, that's an experience that changes under the tree. The lie, you said, is the lie that I can be like God. I can be mm -hmm. my own God. And so once you choose that path, now you have all these eventualities that you can't manage. And then you have to deal with when God shows up. And, and now that fear there. Is, so one of the experiences they experienced was peace beforehand, mm -hmm. like a sense of everything is as it should be. And now after we see clearly there's a fear, there's something's wrong here. Yeah. And along with that is the shame the Bible talks about before they were naked and unashamed. Now there's a shame that they're feeling all these new emotions that are heavy that mm -hmm. they haven't had before fear, shame. That's a big difference between the two trees. And we still experience it today when we make choices yeah. in those two. Yeah. You know, before the fall, before they actually made the choice, there's not much in the biblical record that illustrates what their life looked like as they were choosing, you know, the path of life. Yeah. But there is that one verse at the end of chapter 2 that says they were both naked and not ashamed. Right. Yeah. Of course, the verse is, really has nothing to do with physical nakedness. It has to do with, with no shame. Hmm. And they lived a life of no shame. And so that path that life path, if you want to call it that way, was a path of no shame. Yeah. But after the fall, it all just falls apart, and you see the choices that they start making, mm -hmm. the hiding, the shifting the blame, and, and not trusting God anymore. To me, that's a huge thing. Why did they hide? Well, the shame came into play, but they didn't trust God with their shame. Oh, i got to fix this. I've got to do something about this. Yeah. And so they, you know, they covered themselves physically first to see if that would fix it. That didn't fix it. Yeah. So now they hide. That didn't fix it. So they start blaming. That didn't fix it. Mm -hmm. And it just keeps spinning out. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the doubt self-reasoning side of it. We don't see any evidence of them doubting God or the provision prior to them eating the fruit. And so it's interesting to see that immediate shift of, like Tom said, the fear of now I have to reason it for myself. Now I have to figure it out when God's the one that's provided for them all along, provided the food. I mean, clothing wasn't a thing, like mm -hmm. stuff like this. And now all of a sudden it is. And what I find interesting is how that immediate needing to clothe themselves when it hadn't been a thought before mm. is where did that come from? Like that just yeah. is fascinating to me. So. 
kind of along that same path is everything gets difficult. You know, you don't get a sense, like Tom was saying, of what exactly it was like before. But when you look at the contrast, you can make some suppositions about that. Mm -hmm. And when God curses the ground, you know, now it's going to be sweat. Now it's going to be thorns. It's going to be difficult where mm. you get the sense before it wasn't, before yeah. the curse it wasn't. So there's that aspect too. If you go your own way, you're going to be outside of that provision. You're going to be outside of that abundance. It's going to be difficult. You're going to go through hardship. And that's the consequences of those two exposed there as well. Well, you know, I want to camp out here a little bit because I think this is important for us to think about this contrast because we experience the ramifications of it, right? We're living in a world that is a fallen world where we experience the doubt, the fear, the mistrust, you know, all those different things that we've gone over where we're trying to strive on our own and self-reason. But, you know, I think it's just applicable to us to try to go back to how Adam and Eve were experiencing those things because that's the way God designed it to be. You know, we've talked about how we were designed to live. So you and I were designed to live in a world where we didn't mistrust God or each other and so I think that that's something that we can continue to talk about because I think all of us have experienced the negativity or the the drawback of what the fall has brought. But how do you see the contrast play out, I guess, in your lives? You know, it takes eyes of faith, a consistent eyes of faith. You know, Scripture's saying, well, that's where we're headed back to where the paradise of God, so to speak, where we're going to live. But the idea of Christ coming and this idea of drawing us and connecting us with the Father, who's the source of life. He's the picture, so to speak, of the tree of life there, that mm. he is the eternal life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he came and connected us back to life. But in order to experience that abundance now, that provision now, it has to be through the eyes of faith. So we got to see that spiritual reality right now in order to bring it into our existence now where we're living and it looks like there's a lack and there is so much disease and so much suffering and people lose their jobs mm -hmm. and they can't find a job. I was talking to a guy this morning. He's been without a job for a while and he's having trouble meeting his bills. I mean, it looks like a lack in his life. How do you bring in this idea of God providing and receiving? Mm -hmm. It takes a faith. You sure. have to step out in faith, you know, but Jesus, his whole life, that's what he was about, is coming to bring that connection back so that we can have the Father and have that relationship. We can boldly go to the throne in our time of need. Mm. Yeah. I think it, the, as of the last couple of days, I've been trying to reason, self-reason. It, it seems to be the first default for me to go through and figure out a situation that I've been going through. And it's more about a time issue. Like, do I have the time for this? But I probably should say yes to it and all of these things. And it's not to walk out of the tree of life, which it would be taking it immediately to my father to ask mm -hmm. him, where is the time in all of this? I'm trying to figure it out. And I, mm -hmm. it's been interesting as I've studied over this for this podcast, even just like it brings it back into reality again, that my default is not to go to him to ask him first what where's the wisdom in this? Like, what do I need to do? But no, I'm going to figure it out because I have a brain, you know, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah. Well, as I was thinking about how to answer that question, my mind went back to the concept of shame in the sense that there's no shame in that path of life. Mm -hmm. And then that takes my mind to Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation. And so Obviously, we live on the other side of the fall from Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. and we live in a world that's full of 
shame. And, and there's all these things coming at us all the time, attempting, the enemy is attempting through these things to say, you're not good enough, you're not man enough, you're not woman enough, you can't do it, you can't make it. And then that scripture reminds me, wait a minute, I may live here, but as a citizen of this new kingdom, mm-hmm. I don't have to live in shame. Yeah. And so I can live from that place of no condemnation in the middle of everybody trying to condemn me and everything trying to condemn me. Yeah. saying if I can sum it up in some ways is obviously the way we were designed is to live in direct community with God that we were designed to have that trust as they walked and talked with God in the garden you know Adam and Eve have that picture where there's just that friendship and closeness where they're just intimately walking through the garden every day talking as opposed to what most of us experience today in that well God's out there and I'm here and I'm dealing with life and he doesn't care or he's mean and as you said, Tom, there's the truth that comes in after that where God's prepared some of those bridges to allow us to experience that intimacy with him, but we still have the choice. Do I want to go back and believe that God's still out there, or do I believe that he's in here, in me, walking with me, talking with me today, even though the world is not the Garden of Eden anymore? So how has your understanding of the two trees changed your view of choice in your life? Before the fall... Adam and Eve had two choices, right? Yep. And the two choices were obvious. Don't eat from that tree. Don't eat from that tree. <laughs> yeah. Eat from all these trees, yep. but don't eat from this tree. Yeah. So the choice was to enjoy the freedom mm-hmm. of eating from all the trees over here or choose to eat from the tree here that God told them this one would bring death. As I look at that, I realize that choice exists on both paths. Hmm. They didn't lose choice after they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but before their choice was actually choosing to enjoy freedom, choosing to enjoy God's provision. But now, after eating the fruit, their choice is activated to try to get what they lost. Mm. So now I'm choosing so that I can get something that I don't have. Whereas before, they had everything, and they were just choosing what they had. Yeah, for me personally, we do have that same choice now. The Bible Project has a great podcast, a series of episodes on the two trees that show the same theme of choosing to eat, continuing on through the Bible. So Abraham has the choice about how is he going to get the son? Is he going to wait on God to provide him a son that he promised, or is he going to take and that's using the same language, take and eat. He partook of Hagar, the mm-hmm. slave of Sarah, sure. and solved the problem his own way. And so it mm-hmm. continues on, and I see that same choice in my own life. I, I, a couple of years ago, I was renovating my house, and I was at a home improvement store picking up some supplies, and I'd come out, and I opened the door, 
of my car and it was just the right distance from another car where it went and pinched that other car mm-hmm. and uh, dented. Yeah. It, when I pulled it off, it left a big dent in the car and immediately my heart just sank. And I looked around and I have this thought immediately, nobody saw that and you don't need another expense right now. You're mm-hmm. trying to fix up this house and you have five kids at home. All these thoughts were coming into my mind. And so I got in my truck and I started backing out. And at the same time, I hear this other voice that says, Ben, that's not who you are. You're not the type of person that will sacrifice somebody else for your own gain. And that's really what it comes down to, the choice between the two trees. And if the choice to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a choice not to love God, mm-hmm. it's also a choice to be selfish, selfish yeah. right? which is the opposite of love. Yep. And so in this moment, I have this choice. And as I'm pulling out, the tension is real. The choice is real. Am I going to choose to go after my flesh and satisfy my own needs? What you know, I'm thinking, how am I going to pay for this guy's dent? Yep. I mean, a little dent like that, costs $800 at the body shop to pull out. And I don't have an extra $800 sitting around and all these thoughts are coming and I have that choice. What am I going to do? Am I going to trust God to provide that that receiving aspect of it Mm -hmm. and then choose to love, even if I can't see it happen? Or am I going to be selfish and let him figure out how he's going to fix the dent? But I chose to pull up and I wrote a note because I didn't know where he was and left him my phone number. And a couple hours later, he called me and he must have thanked me five times. He was <laughs> he was shocked that I would leave my number, which is really sad. It just shows you there's yeah. a lot of selfishness in the world, mm-hmm. you know. And I was able to tell him, well, you know, it crossed my mind. But God reminded me that I don't live for myself and my peace is not worth And so I paid the $800 to fix his door and he was thankful. And at the same time, you know, my kids didn't go hungry and I didn't lack for anything. God Mm. provided. I don't know how it all worked out, (laughs) but I didn't have anything to worry. And if I would have taken matters into my own hands, I may have ended up $800, but I would have been miserable. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what we talked about last week, the purpose again, you experienced what you were designed for, what what your purpose is, is to manifest God's glory to other people. And you did that in an instance, again, that was difficult, maybe a little uncomfortable, and you had to yeah. trust God. But you experienced the fruit of doing the right thing, because I'm sure even though forking over $800 was not enjoyable, there was absolutely, I'm sure, a sense of overwhelming peace, knowing you were doing the right thing, knowing that you were doing the loving thing that you would have missed out on had you not done that. Yeah. I mean, it's a sense of like, for this, I was made. You exactly. know, there's a sense of joy and satisfaction that comes, even though I still didn't know how all the bills were going to work out. Think of the beauty you know? in that, of how God even takes, because obviously we're not living in Eden anymore, so it's not a perfect world, how he takes even the fallen mistake, error, you know, ways of our life and uses them for good. Because obviously, you know, denting someone's door doesn't remind me of Eden, (laughs) right? But you experience the same thing that they did in Eden, maybe even more because of that choice you were able to make and following through and saying yes to God instead of choosing the selfish route. Yeah. 
Yeah. What about the rest of you guys? What stories have you experienced in your life? What events have gone on where you've seen that dichotomy of choices that you have and also the fruit or the lack of fruit that have come from your choices? I remember a story when I was in college. I had three practically babies, and uh, we had some hospital debt. And we got a notice from the hospital that they were going to send us over to the collection agency if we didn't pay the entire amount. Hmm. And so Tess and I talked about it, and um, we decided that, well, we'll get another student loan and pay for this just to get them you know, out of our hair. And mm-hmm. So I went to the school, got the application, and on my way home from school that evening, I just felt God speak to me and say, hey, I'm, I've got this, and, and I can provide for this, and you don't need the loan. And I remember saying back to him, okay, well, we won't do this. Mm -hmm. And then I'm driving along, and then I have this thought. But you know what? This application sitting over here on the passenger seat, I won't tear it up just in case. Mm -hmm. And then God asked me a question in that moment. He said, do you need an insurance policy in case I fail? (laughs) And, and, oh, man, that just hit me hard. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, God. No, I don't need an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And when I got home, I ripped it up, and I went in the house, and I told Tess what I decided, and she's like, yes, we're going to walk this out by faith. And, I mean, it was just days later, went out to the mailbox, and you, everybody hears these stories, sure. and there's a check in the mail <laughs> for exactly the amount that we needed of to course. pay the hospital off. Yeah. And it was some friends of ours in a couple states over, hadn't talked to in a long time, and they said, hey, we just felt led to send this to you. <laughs> and so, you know, in that moment, we we chose to receive instead of achieve. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, and, of course, there's been many, many stories after that that God has just been so faithful to show himself by us choosing life instead of choosing to achieve on our own. Yeah. So, Well, it goes back to, again, our concept of God. I, you know, we talked about the first episode. It's just you had a concept of God where you believed through faith that he was good and generous and was willing and able to come through. And again, you chose to put your faith there and receive that. But that, you know, ties that in again to how we view God and who he is to us, that he is trustworthy, that he does care about our bills and, you know, the small or not so small things of our lives. But he's willing to step into that. I think it even goes so much it's even in the, our mental states. Am I going to choose to be bitter or am I going to choose to be thankful? Mm. And um, I think in my own life, things haven't always worked out as far as physical health and things like that, patterns. I guess where I was going to go with my life, degrees, what my job was going to be, what my career was, and the trajectory I was on. And then I was in a pretty bad car accident that drastically, in an instant, changed my life forever. And so walking out of the tree of life, and I'm sorry, obviously, (laughs) you all know I'm emotional. Everybody else will, too. (laughs) It's all good. It's choosing, am I going to be bitter about that? Hmm. Am I going to be angry every day that things didn't go the way I thought they would? Or am I going to be thankful for the opportunity to maybe bring one more person closer to Jesus because I'm determined not to let this change who I am and my identity and what has he made me for? It wasn't my idea, but it's still going to be used. And so I think there is a Yes, we can absolutely choose our mental state in some situations of how are we going to handle life circumstances for us. So that would definitely be a, a huge one. It's an everyday choice. I don't yeah. think that's a, I decided it once. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's one interesting thing about choosing the tree of life is you're choosing to receive. 
and a receiver gets what's given, Mm -hmm. you know, and he doesn't get to decide how that looks, you know, he gets to decide to receive. And that's really a scary proposition if we don't have a correct concept of God. It Mm -hmm. all goes all back to the first topic in the Living in Jesus study. we got to get that straight. But if God really is love and he has our best interests in mind, then we can trust him and be in a receiving situation where we trust for him to give us what we have. And that's that's hard in the flesh we want to control so that we can decide what we think is best for us Mm -hmm. in our life. And I face some difficulty in my life too with that and have my life totally redirected but with physical, ailment. yeah, with with my neck, I've had neck problems. I've had back surgery. You know, I think I mentioned that about the massage chair, mm-hmm. but uh, and that changed my direction. You know, it took me off from a path that I thought I was going to play sports, mm-hmm. and it took me out of that. And, you know, and other other things too. You know, have redirected cancer journey with my daughter. That redirected a year and a half of my life and it's still affecting my life as far as what we do and what we spend and what we can do and stuff like that but we can either fight it you know or go with receiving everything trusting that God's got good in store for us in it and it's going to be better than we could have designed a life for ourselves. Yeah, it goes against what the world will tell you. You know, it goes against what, okay, I've got to strive and achieve for what's best for me, and I've got to figure right. that out, especially when it comes to, okay, my my dreams or my hopes have been derailed. Now it's up to me to figure out how to fix this or change this, as opposed to trusting God that whatever has happened, we can receive and know that he's going to be enough for us. And obviously that experience is different for all of us, we all haven't been in a serious car accident or had back surgery or had a daughter who had cancer. List can go on and on and on. And so how did you, and I'm sure, Tom, you've had experiences like this, how do we walk through those challenging times? How do you guys make those choices day to day to continue to go back and trust God instead of trying to figure it out or be bitter or whatever else may be the other option of being your own God and figuring it out. How do you guys continue to make that choice? Margalene, I'll start with you. I think it's looking back to constantly see how faithful he's been, even when things don't go the way that you thought that they would or you wanted them to. I also think it's having a, uh, I don't know how to sum this up in one term, but like a, not a self-focused view, but an outward focused view, like believing that it's more than me. Believing that life is more than me, believing okay. that I'm here, that it's not just me. Mm. And it really, I mean, as believers, we're here to glorify God. And I know you guys talked about that last week, and that's what we were created for. And so that automatically places you in the mindset of outward focus. Mm. And so I think that's where, for me, it, it makes me choose, like, no, there's something more. And I'm living for somebody more and not a somebody on earth, but a somebody in heaven. And so that's what it is. That's that's what makes me choose. So that helps with your 
actions of what mm-hmm. you're doing day to day, how do you choose to experience God's goodness personally right. because of what you've, what's been going on in your life? So that's how you act externally. Mm-hmm. What about internally? Right. How do you process receiving that love from God, even though the plan isn't working out the way you want it to or necessarily? Right. And I think sometimes I don't. Uh, to be quite honest, yeah. if we're being completely real and sure. human, yeah, yeah, sometimes it's not the choice. Um, that's a good question. Give me a moment to I'm think sure. about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, as I'm thinking about that question, the internal part, belief has to come into play. It has to. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus says, let these children come to me. Mm-hmm. And then he lifted up that childlike faith. And I think in that moment, if we miss it, we'll miss something grand there. Because if you make a promise to a kid, they believe you mm-hmm. instantly. <laughs> yes, oh, well, it's going to happen. It's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And for us as God's kids, as his children, when he makes a promise, he wants us to be like that kid and go, oh, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. And yeah. so in- internally, when God speaks to me uh, in that moment, it reminds me that God is not some fantasy that religion made up, that he is a real person who is interacting with me and he's speaking to me. And his voice in me makes him more real to me every time I hear him speak to me. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not smart enough to think up some of the mm-hmm. big thoughts that I have. Sure. Yeah, and Margalina, I think you also mentioned right at the beginning, you know, where you said that you remember that's an internal action, remembering what God has done. I mean, I'm totally encouraged when I go back and think about God's faithfulness to me. And that's an internal aspect. I know you ended with being others focused, but another name for that is love. For me, remembering is a big, powerful way. Another way is meditating on truth for me. You know, what does scripture say? In Matthew, Jesus says, we don't need to worry. You know, we don't need to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink. Our Heavenly Father it knows what we need even before we ask Him. Philippians says for us to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. These scriptures go around in my mind a lot in those situations. Then I have the choice, like Tom's saying, what am I going to believe? This is what God's saying, and this is what He's done in the past. Now what am I going to do here? in this situation. We talked a lot last week about how our purpose is to glorify God, but the way we do that is depending upon Him. And it sounds like the same thing here is in those moments when we're faced with a choice, it's a matter of depending upon what God has already shown us, who He is, His characteristics, what He's promised, like you said, Tom. And that dependence is that childlike dependence. I love that picture you gave, Tom, because if you have kids or you've seen kids, you know that dependence that they have, it's unquestioned, you know, especially when they're smaller. It's just, yes. Well, unbelieving adults are the ones that train children to stop (laughs) believing. Yeah, yeah. What's amazing, too, is that even when we go our own way and try to accomplish things and do things, I mean, we're living a perfect deception because any strength, any knowledge, any ability, any resources we have is really a gift from God. Scriptures teaches that mm-hmm. it's a, everything. We, what do you have that you haven't been given? So even if we think we're relying on ourselves, that's a complete uh, illusion anyway. God is the one that's given us everything that we have, our intellect, our ability to make money, you know, our ability to 
try to get life from anything else, even that is a gift. I was thinking as you guys keep talking about the word that kept coming to mind was a deep knowing, just knowing Mm. as you bring up the child example, they just know that their parents love them and want the best for them. And sometimes it's not even something you can explain. Like I can't tell you that it is an an explanation on my part other than I just know, Mm. like it's just the more, the closer I get with him. I've, read a statement once, it's actually in one of the books that we offer here, that said, no matter what happens to me today, I know that God has not stepped off his throne, mm-hmm. but has brought me closer to it. And so that has been just huge in knowing that he's bringing me closer to the throne. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I heard this phrase once that another word for the word faith in the original language was to be convinced of something. Mm. And I think that, you know, as we've talked about faith and how that plays its role in here, like you said, there's this deep knowing. Well, part of that is just you've been convinced that God is who he says he is, that he's going to come through when he says he's going to come through or that he has a plan that, you know, you might not know it, but his plan is going to be good for you, as Jeremiah says. And so the more and more he convinces us of who he is, of how good he is, of his ability to come through, how generous he is, how much he is just love then it becomes a little bit easier to make that choice or more clear maybe to make that choice of do I want to depend on him and choose the tree of life or do I want to choose my own path and choose the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Because we're faced with that every single day, no matter what kind of experiences we've been through, it's God's job to convince us. people when they talk about faith or define faith from a scriptural point of view they'll go to that passage over in Hebrews but my favorite one is is the description that Paul gives in Romans 4 when he's talking about Abraham and this is I don't have the scripture right in front of me so this is Tom's paraphrase (laughs) he says that. that he makes this statement that Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he said he would do so, you know, we've, we've talked about these choices in our lives and some of the challenges we face and how it can be hard to wrestle through these. Jesus, though, faced those same examples for us. And so I'm curious as to which characteristics or which stories of Jesus' ability to walk through this stand out to you, and how, did Jesus, how is Jesus the best example of this? You know, when you see Eve taken of that fruit, it was pleasing to the eye, it was good for food, and it was desirable to make her wise. Those three things, those are the temptations that we all face. Mm. And when I think about that, I think about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Mm. He faced the similar temptations in the wilderness. One was he was hungry, and the devil came and said, turn these stones into bread. And there's no commandment that I found in the Old Testament that says you can't turn, thou <laughs> sure. shalt not turn stones into bread. Yeah. But what it does say is that you trust and depend on your father to provide. When you have a need, you go to him. So if Jesus would have taken that initiative to turn those stones, he would have been taking matters into his own hands. He would have been like eating from that tree Mm. that had some food that looked like it would be satisfying, but the end result was death and it would have been for Jesus. And so when I think of him, 
and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I think, of those temptations, he's the only one that has ever walked through all the temptations and always trusted his father and never chosen to take matters in his own hand. He was never selfish. He was fully obedient, even to the point of death. And so Jesus is amazing. And what's even more amazing is that Scripture teaches that he comes to live inside of us, Mm -hmm. and he's our hope of glory. Christ in us is our hope of glory, our hope of being able to submit to the Father in those. Because it's powerful, those pulls in the moment when you can't see it and everything looks like destruction, there's powerful pulls on us. And Mm -hmm. the enemy's right there. He's looking for those opportune times to come in and plant that lie. So we're all facing the same temptation. Jesus walked through that and overcame at every point. And that's encouraging to me. But what's even more encouraging is that now he's living in me. And if I submit, he'll empower me to say no to the flesh. I think that's the thing that we don't focus enough on when we talk about Jesus is that he was fully human as well as fully God. And we just think that he did the things that he did because he was fully God. Hmm. But it says, he says over and over and over in the gospels about how much he relies on the father for the direction and for his sustaining and for everything. And so I think it just shows the humanness of Jesus, Hmm. which is a huge hope for us that He really isn't impervious to the struggles that we go through, that he knows the active choice of the two trees, and he actively chose life. And that's really cool to me. I just don't think we really focus on that he was making a choice as well. Mm -hmm. Well, the Scripture says that he was tempted in all the ways that we're tempted, and you could debate what that means, but I think it's to that deeper level of, you know, how does a temptation hit you as a human being? I think that's what that Scripture is talking about in the sense of Jesus he felt that as a man, mm-hmm. and he always chose, as Margalina said, to rely upon his father for everything, you know, for life, for all the provision, and he never depended upon his fleshly wisdom, his fleshly strength to accomplish those things that he knew. He had that childlike faith. He mm-hmm. knew that God had promised him, and he listened to that, and yeah. he was obedient to that moment by moment mm-hmm. by moment. I think one of the things that stands out to me about Jesus is his eternal perspective, Mm. right? And I think of Adam and Eve in that moment. She was hungry. It looked good. She was thinking about then and there and what she was going through at that moment. And that's, I think, a lot of our temptation is when we're going through something, it's, well, I'm going through it right now, and I want it to change right now. And Jesus had the eternal perspective where at every turn, as you said, Margalina, he was depending upon the Father. It says, I did nothing of my own initiative. Nothing. Like, not one single thing did he do of his own initiative. And that's a great example, because he's understanding the longevity of God's plan. From beginning to end, God has a plan for humanity. And that plan is obviously for us to glorify him and to experience him. But because of the fall, because of that choice, because of the very fact that he gave us choice, we mess that up. And yet he still has a plan to bring that to redemption in eternity. And so it's just amazing how Jesus was so good at showing us, hey, I'm, I'm willing to die for this because that death is still momentary. I'm, I'm going to be coming back. There's going to be a greater plan, and it's going to accomplish something even greater in my death. And I think that's something we can take away is that in those moments of those struggle, God has something greater for us when we choose to depend on him and trust him. Because he, he has great plans. I mean, he has grand plans for our lives, and we experience that as we depend on him, as we choose the tree of life, 
because it's an eternal plan. It's not just for today in this moment. And that's the great thing about all three of you guys. You've shared stories where in the moment, the easy choice was was there to not report the dent, to drive away, you know, to Margalina choose daily to be bitter. I mean, that's an easier choice than to choose to trust God through that. And I just think as we continue to discuss this, you know, all these topics that we're going over, it's to have that eternal perspective. Yeah, I think of Paul, all the stuff that he went through, he called it light momentary affliction. Hmm. You know, yeah. really, Paul? <laughs> yeah. Stone beaten, yeah. light momentary affliction, yeah. but... Yeah, light momentary affliction that's producing an eternal weight of glory. Again, it comes back to that faith. You have to have eyes to see the eternal. And, and that's maturity, too. I think when you're talking about that, what does it take to delay the momentary pleasure mm-hmm. to uh, experience an even greater reward later? That takes a maturity. I mean, children often do not have that ability to see. There's yeah. a, There was a study they did about, I think it was marshmallows or something. They put them in a room and you can have one marshmallow is here, but if you don't eat this one, I'll give you two and I come back. You know, <laughs> And most of the kids weren't able to do it because yeah. uh, that marshmallow is so tempting there. Yeah. And it can be the same way Peter talks about Moses in the passing pleasures of sin. He didn't stay with being in the house of Pharaoh, but he joined his fellow Hebrews in suffering. What could have been for Moses? He could have been enjoyed all those pleasures in Egypt, but now he followed God's path and God exalted him and gave him a name that still lasts in history. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thanks for the discussion and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week for episode six. Thanks, Ross. Thank you, Ross. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Next week, we will look at the consequences of the fall of man. We will discuss what happened to humanity as a result of the fall and how those consequences affect us all today. The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Brezina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children in how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all our free content is made available because of the generosity of people just like you from around the world. Until next week, thank you and God bless. God bless.